0: Amen. Praise the Lord. What a joy it is to be in his house today to to worship him, the one truly worthy of our worship and praise. And I'm glad that you came to Memorial today uh, to worship with us. What a blessing it is just to see everybody and, um, you know, it's a, a huge blessing. It's just a slice of heaven, I think, that one of these days when we are standing before the Lord, it's going to be people from every nation, every tribe, every nationality praising his name for what he has done through Jesus Christ for us. And, um, you know, this morning I, I want to continue on in our study. We've been in Matthew chapter 10. And uh, if you are here with us, I hope you will open your scripture to that. And just going to be talking about uh, encouraging faithfulness. And uh, you know, our Lord Jesus, He was instructing His disciples uh, about what it meant to be a true disciple. And uh, we probably really need to hear this today uh, in our uh, in our world, in our society, and where we are. Uh, we need to hear what it is means to be a true disciple. You know these. Disciples of Jesus, they had some misconceptions about what His kingdom was going to look like, and so they they were they were thinking in their mind, they were imagining that He was going to come, and He had to He had to correct their thinking, if you will. Um, and and Jesus said, you know, people would hate them as they went out, as He sent them out, they would pursue them, and and many would oppose them, and so He wanted to prepare them uh, for what was going to happen when they got out in the real world. Okay, It's one thing to be with the master. It's one thing to spend time with him and to be under his protection and guidance. It's another thing when you go out into the real world and begin to evangelize and, and do the things that he sent them out to do. And so he's wanting to encourage them and to prepare them so that their eyes would be open as they're walking in real time, that they would do the things that he called them to do. You know, the disciples were gonna face some opposition from a world a world that hated Christ. And as believers today, every time that we are faithful to Christ in every generation, we will face opposition. If you are living for Jesus Christ, you will face opposition. See, it comes in different sizes, it comes in different shapes, it comes in different forms, and and yet when we are faithful to Christ, (laughs) when we are faithful to him, the world is going to oppose us. We need to get that in our heads. So that at the first sign of trouble, at the first sign of conflict, at the first sign of of something happening, that we don't turn, tail, and run, but that we will stand firm on the word of God. You know, J.C. Ryle, he, he once said this. He said, if you leave the world alone, the world will probably leave you alone. But if you attempt to do the world some spiritual good, it will hate you just like it hated our Lord. See, that's important for us to remember. See, we live in a country which was once characterized by a a wholesale societal commitment to Christianity, and we've been moving into a place for some time now where Christianity is being pushed to the side, socially speaking. And we see signs of opposition to Christianity and to the gospel, and aspects of the gospel message are openly criticized and, and, and called narrow-mindedness, you know, that, that we are being called narrow-minded because we believe God's word. And, and the, the society tells us there are things that should be left behind. And we need to be reminded of these marks of true discipleship, which the Lord gave his disciples here in Matthew 10. And I'd like to point out a a few of them this morning. You know, this is the section of Matthew 10 that tells a lot about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And his disciples here, uh, he's teaching them the meaning of of that. And, And so let's give our attention to the word of God And I want to begin reading in chapter 10. If you have your scripture, and we'll just go ahead and open up to chapter 10 of Matthew. And we're going to read verses 24 down through 31. And God's word says this: It says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they had called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known What I tell you in the darkness speak in the light and what you hear whispered in your ear proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul soul and body, excuse me, in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that even now that you would illuminate your word. And that your Holy Spirit would just speak to our hearts. Father, it is your word. Father, I pray that you would help us as we examine our our own lives. And Father, that uh, I would not want anyone to perish under the illusion that they are genuinely yours. Father, I pray that we would know that we belong to you, that we are a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And Father, that we are not just going through the motions, but Father, that we belong to you. May that be so in every heart. In every soul this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, let me suggest, first of all, that as his disciples, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we receive the same treatment as our master. We receive the same treatment that he got. I mean, it is the destiny, it is the the honor, it is the blessing of every Christian disciple to receive the same treatment, the same things that our Lord and Master received. I mean, notice what he says to his disciples here in verse 24 and 25. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. (laughs) You know, the Lord Jesus is telling his disciples that they are not to be surprised if they're treated in the same way that he's been treated. I mean, this is huge because many times we don't like it when people are rude to us. We don't like it when people are mean. We don't like it when people, you know, distrust us or don't believe what we tell them. But you know what? (laughs) It was the same with Jesus. And we follow him. And so if that's what he received, that's what we're going to receive. We cannot expect the the, the warmness of this world. See, the, the Lord Jesus is telling his disciples that they should not be surprised if they are treated in the same way. You know, we know that by in Matthew 12, the Pharisees, they came to Jesus and they attributed his power. They saw him doing miracles and they attributed his power to Satan, they said he was the, the, the father of demons and, and you know he was able to heal people and, and cast out demons and do those kind of things from the power of almighty God but they accused him of being from Satan. Can you imagine? I mean the Lord Jesus he came to this world to, to die and to save us from our sins and there are some people who called him the prince of demons but listen a disciple is not honored above the honors of his teacher. A slave doesn't have more rights and is not of a different, does not receive a different reception from the multitude than his master does. And you see, Jesus reminds them that they will be vilified. People will turn them into villains just as he has been vilified. But they're not to lose heart over that. It's okay when that happens. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. In fact, they are to take heart because it is a joy to be treated like their master. It's a privilege for us to be able to walk in the same footsteps as Jesus. It's a privilege for us to do that even as the world opposes us because it is a sign that we belong to him. They hated him, they'll hate us. We belong to him. They treated him that way, they will treat us that way. Thomas Huxley, he once said, and I think this is a good statement, he says, it doesn't take much of a man to become a Christian, but it does take all of him. It does take all of him. See, the bottom line in all discipleship is this. Is that we be like him? We are to be like Jesus. I think this is huge. We're to be like our teacher, our master, our king. That's our commitment. We're called to be like him, and that means we we have his values. That means we have his commitments. We have his priorities. We're we're to be given completely over to his will, to his kingdom, to his purposes we are to be like him and in other words if we are like him then we we will be treated like him i mean that's part of it that's the bottom line of discipleship is that we will be like jesus and the more we're like him the more we'll be treated like he was treated and the the world treated him in this way they called him the devil They didn't know the power that he had from God. They they called him, they maligned him, they told him that he was from the devil. Now, if they were not hesitant to call him that, they certainly won't be hesitant to call us that. And he uses an analogy here of a master of a house. Now, the master of the house has dignity. (laughs) The master of the house is the guy in charge. He's the one who has status. He has the reputation. He's a, the man of honor in the community. He's got money. And he's simply saying that if they take that, the highest level of this guy, they, they, they're saying that, that, that you know, the, the highest level guy in here, if they call him Satan, what do you think they will call his servants and those who serve him? I mean, if they're willing to speak evil against a man of dignity, a man of honor and respect, they certainly won't hesitate to speak evil against people who don't have any status to start with. So remember this, discipleship is a process by which you become like Christ. It's that transformation that takes place in our life, it's a process by which you become like Christ. And the more you become like him, the more the world treats you like him. And you can expect that. Now you might say, well, that's, that's not a very inviting prospect in calling people towards discipleship. I just want you to be prepared. Just like Jesus wanted his disciples to be prepared. So that when you go out into the world, when you go out and live for Jesus, and they say things about you, and they malign your name, and they drag you through the mud, you will understand that it goes because of who you follow. It's because of who you belong to. It is because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so far we, we receive the same treatment and we were to be like him and another mark of true discipleship is that a disciple of Christ does not fear the world. A disciple of Jesus Christ does not fear the world. And that's what he's trying to tell his disciples. It's a mark of true discipleship. Look at verse 26. He says there, Therefore do not fear them, For there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. (laughs) He's only using the idea of killing the body, and he compares it to destroying the soul. He's making a comparison here about which one is greater. And he shows that God has so much more power. The one who can destroy your soul. I mean, think about that. I mean, we don't understand, we can't fully comprehend that, but he's making a comparison there because what we see, what we see on this earth The things that we see with our eyes, if we can see it with our eyes, it is only temporary. This building is only temporary. Oh, it may last. It may last for several years. It may last for several hundred years. But in the grand scheme of things, it is only temporary. And what is our life? Our life is very temporary. It's here for only a moment and then it's gone. Uh, James says it's a vapor. I mean, we're just here for a short time. He's saying, don't fear those who are able to kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. I think that's huge. I mean, he's not saying that if you don't live the right kind of Christian life that God's going to send you to hell. That isn't his point. The point here is that we are to fear the one who can determine the destiny of our soul. Not the ones who can only determine the destinies of our bodies. See, it's a comparison between men and God. (laughs) And he's saying, don't fear men, fear God. (laughs) And you come down to that very issue. A true disciple does not fear the world no matter how intimidating they are, no matter how they try to threaten or scare us. The true disciple does not fear the world. Your course is set. You're going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow him right into eternity and continue to be with him for all eternity. You know, secondly, I would say that a true disciple favors the Lord. When they call for a confession, he gives the confession boldly. (laughs) Oh, you know, sometimes we shrink back so much. We give so much ground to the enemy just by not saying what we believe. Maybe we're afraid. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't fear the world. He's sending us out among the wolves as sheep among wolves. Don't fear them. You know, there may be lapses. Sometimes we're bold and sometimes we're not. But in those times when we're not bold, in those times where there are lapses, then we, we, those times come with repentance and with sorrow. We recognize that that we need to come back and be bold in that. And what happens to the master happens to the disciple. And folks, this is a set principle in all of Christianity. If we're united with Christ, we can expect to, to walk in the way of trouble. Our Lord lived a life of grief and sorrow, And when we we are called to walk in the way of grief and sorrow, we can't be surprised by that. I'm telling you right now, you should understand this. You should expect opposition. You should expect persecution. It may not be to the level that it's going to be, but one day there will be religious persecution in this country. And all I can do is prepare you for that. You are the one that's going to have to stand firm. You are the one that's going to have to not budge. You're going to have to be the one that stands firm on the word of God. Because what's going to happen is if you don't, they're just going to wash you away with everything else as they erode our God and our King, Jesus Christ. It takes his people, his disciples, standing firm. You know, I say don't be surprised, but there's another side to this. As surely as we are called to endure the trials, we will also share in his glory. It cuts both ways. You see, when we're a disciple, we follow him and yes, we endure those, those sufferings. But on that day, we're also going to reign and be in glory with him. We're gonna share his glory because we will be and we will know him as he is. You know, Philippians 3.10 says this, Paul says this, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to death in order that I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. He's wanting to share in that glory. He's saying, man, I'm going through the trials, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with the persecution because on that day, I want to share in the glory of Jesus Christ. I mean, what a day that's going to be. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. See, I believe it's interesting that in this passage, Jesus is giving his disciples (laughs) encouragement based on the doctrine of hell. That's so strange to our minds. The doctrine of hell is a doctrine that most Christians today think they would just like to forget. Maybe shove it to the back corner on the shelf and just let it collect dust. They don't wanna hear about it. We know that it's not popular with many people and it hurts us sometimes to even think about hell. And it causes some discomfort to do you know exposition from the scriptures which teach it. But listen, by the way, one of the hallmarks, this is one of the hallmarks of Christian teaching. We don't proclaim some things, holding back certain things that we believe and not letting others know about them. God's truth is open truth and it's absolute truth. It's open truth and it's absolute truth. I mean, we don't proclaim something and and try to catch people with it and then sort of pop it out at the end and say, Oh, by the way, we believe this and this and this. Oh, and this. It's all up front. This is what we believe. We want to be upfront about what we believe. That's one of the distinctive marks of Christian teaching. It's truth and it's out in the open teaching. We're not hiding anything. And Jesus here is, he, He's, He's given this encouragement based on the doctrine of hell. And He's saying that we must remember, we must remember that God is going to set things straight. In the end, God is going to set things straight and that's going to involve both reward and it's going to involve punishment. He is a loving God. He is love. He's also a just God and they go together. His justice And so in the end, there will be both reward and punishment. And we must never forget that, that he will set things straight. He will set them right. He will bring things to light in the end. And that's what he says. There is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak it in the light. When you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim to the rooftops. Because he's talking about there will be in the end, God will set everything straight. See, we have to take that with absolute seriousness. I mean, no matter how much we're ridiculed for it. Moving on, you know, God is always watching and looking after his people. Look at verse 29. He says in verse 29, He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Notice how Jesus teaches us this. I love this. Did you know that sparrows were a food item in biblical times? I mean, if you were to go out in the marketplace in those days and you wanted to pick up some fast food, you'd buy a couple sparrows. You might say they were the cheeseburgers of the ancient world. And man, they were cheap. I mean, you could buy two for an Asarian, which is a Roman coin that was the rough equivalent of one-sixteenth of a denarius, which was a day's wage. In modern dollars, you might uh, work out the sparrow to be like a buck fifty. You know, dollar menu. I bet some of you are getting hungry now, huh? I mean, when Luke says it records the words from our Lord, he says, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? In other words, you can get two for one or you can get five for two. They're so cheap, they'll even throw in an extra. Now you're really getting hungry and you want one, right? But look at what Jesus says next. He says, even though these sparrows are so cheap and they're so seemingly unimportant that you can get one even thrown in for free, Not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father. Not one. I mean, do you ever pay attention to the birds that land in your backyard? I mean, Jesus puts this in a marvelous way. Some translations have the word will in there, apart from the Father's will, but it literally says, not one of them falls to the ground without your Father. I mean, You could mean, you know, that could mean that none of the little birds fall to the ground apart from the Father's will, apart from his knowledge, apart from his divine permission, apart from his attentiveness, apart from his presence, or maybe all of the above. He knows when they fall to the ground. That's how much attention is focused on these little birds. And all of the rest is that we consider to be so cheap and insignificant, how much more does he care about what happens to you and to me? We are the signature of his creation. We are the the, the one, the the, the signature piece in all of creation because we are made in his image. Notice what else Jesus says. I mean, some of us may care a whole lot more about this than we do about birds landing in our backyard. Verse 30 says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I mean, we may be watching our hair carefully. Some of us may be concerned more about the hair that remains on our head in general. Do you know that the average is 140,000 hairs per head? That's the average, and some of us are really messing up that average. And it, and it pains me to say so. But seriously, there's 140,000 hairs per head and it doesn't say that God counts them. He numbers them and each one has its own number. I mean, you might think, you know, hey, well, there's 239. 84 is over there. You know, it's, for some of us, it's not that big of a problem. I'm sure he doesn't have a whole lot of problem calculating. As one guy said, earth is receding and heaven is opening up before me. You know, God, in this, Jesus uses a tense of the verb that suggests that the number is continually updated. He's saying that the very hairs on your head are continually being numbered. So evidently when we lose one hair, something's happening in heaven. And of course, here's the point. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. You have far greater value to him than the sparrows and even if he knows you to the extent that he knows how many hairs are on your head at any single moment, then you have no reason to fear anyone else. He's the one in charge. He's the one who created you and he loves you very, very much. You have no need to walk in fear As a disciple of Jesus Christ, listen, there is nothing that can happen to you that will happen outside of his consent, care, his constant care, or his supervision for you. You are unspeakably precious to Jesus, so precious that he gave his life for you. He would never allow anything to come upon you that doesn't pass his divine approval first. You know, I love how Paul puts it in Romans 8. Verse 35, he said, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in these things... I belong to him. And he has all the power. See, Jesus was offering an encouragement to his disciples. Salvation is a free gift that costs you everything. Jesus is saying that though I give you salvation, you cannot earn. And I give it to you freely. It may cost everything. He says being my disciple, being his disciple may cost you everything. But he also says everything that you give is not equal. Everything that you give is not equal to what I am going to give you. It may be costly. He didn't say it would be easy, but he did say it would be worth it. So Jesus teaches us about discipleship, and he tells us what it's going to take to follow him. And he's up front about the cost, and he sets the whole proposition out before us. And the reality is, is we must be willing. We must be willing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ he's not going to force you to follow him he lays it out and he says if you want to deny yourself if you want to pick up your cross daily and follow me we have to be willing he makes the proposition he says follow me and he tells us what it's going to entail but in order to do that we have to be willing you have that choice today are you willing are you willing to be willing to follow Jesus you know in just a few moments our worship team is going to come and they're going to lead us in a couple of songs and what I'd really like for you to do this morning is just just to bow your heads and let them let them sing and let the words of those songs just sink in I mean, the reality is, is I need Jesus. And there have been times where I've had lapses, where I haven't done what I needed to do. And in those times, I come back to Jesus and I say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me for not being the witness that I need to be, for not sharing, for for missing that opportunity, for not living up to what I am and what I should be? There's times where we... We sin, we're all guilty, we're all sinners, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. The difference is some of us, for some of us Jesus is paying our sin debt and the rest of us we're trying to pay it ourselves. But he makes that offer. It's here. It's free. It's for you. Yes, it may cost you everything, but it will be worth it. So I'm going to ask if you would pray with me now. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And as they begin playing in just a moment, just remain seated. Just let this be a time of examination. A time of examining your, your, your heart, your soul, your commitment, your love for Christ. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. Father, thank you for showing us again this morning the marks of true discipleship. Lord Jesus, thank you for taking the time to share with us what it means to be a disciple. Father, I know this is a simple message, but Father, it's a true message, and Father, it makes a difference in each one of our lives. God, may there be no one who will hear this morning that that will perish under the illusion of being genuine. Bring whatever needs to be brought into their life to force the issue of examination. Father, that there might be no confusion, no deception from the the father of of lies. Father, for those of us who are true disciples, help us to respond to those times when we fail, when we don't live up to the profession. Father, I pray that you would raise up out of this congregation hundreds of people who are true that we might touch this city and this world that we would live in for your glory and for the advance of your kingdom. Father, I pray that you would make it so. Holy Spirit, that you would search our hearts and help us to be the disciple that you call us to be. Help us to be honest with ourselves and honest with you in this time of examination, in this time of response. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome in our hearts. Guide us. In Jesus' name we pray.